I'm sitting it all along. Yeah. What it is is what it is. Hit tonight. Hit just a few seconds if you can wait because I can't. What it is. What it is. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 205 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I am joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? All is right in the world as the executioner now has the belts back around his waist. <laughs> <laughs> Hecky Butler. Longtime favorite of this show. We haven't talked about him in a long, long time. No, man. I, look, I didn't even think we were going to do episode 205. Right. I didn't think we had enough content, but Hecky Butler to save the day. I mean, are you kidding me? Come on. Give the man his respect, son. <laughs> oh, man. There's definitely enough to squeeze one in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Squeeze one out anyways. Yes. Every once in a while, the <laughs> tummy starts rumbling. Right. Um, and it's time to uh, just let one loose. So we return for episode 205. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play, and drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel and subscribe today. All right, then. This past Saturday night, May 19th, on Showtime from Toronto, Canada. It was the return of Sir Chickenson, a duckness. <laughs> Adonis Stevenson squared off against Badoo Jack and defended his WBC light heavyweight title. Then this fight to me was a tale of two halves, okay? The first half being tense, right? Mm -hmm. I felt the tension of... I guess, you know, there was a lot of boxing fans out there that thought even at 40 years old that Adonis Stevenson at any moment could launch that left hand. He had it locked, cocked, and ready to rock. Badu Jack stayed in this very sort of tentative posture, didn't throw very many punches, and honestly and truthfully, I thought that Adonis Stevenson, the fear factor alone, right, and the fact that he didn't gas out in the first six rounds, um, allowed him to take five out of the first six rounds. Putting yourself behind like that, man, what could Badu Jack expect outside of a draw? I, I don't know. And it seems, you know, as many as he's gotten as a fighter, now being his third majority draw, and all in big fights against good fighters, and a lot of the times you, you, you walked away from that fight and you went, yeah, it was a draw, but I think Badu Jack was the better fighter if he just would have fucking put forth a little bit more effort. And this fight, I, I it kind of reminded me of, uh, it's like, what did they, did they bring fucking Joe Gallagher into <laughs> camp? Did they fucking take the, take the six rounds high guard Joey G game plan? The Scott Quigg recipe. I, I mean, that's what, it, you know, at times it felt like. And I thought it was, you know, it was a decent fight. It had its moments. There was tense moments in the fight. But as far as a st sustained action, like you said, it was a tale of two halves. First half dominated by Stevenson, second half completely dominated by Badu Jack, and maybe in a in a little bit more dominant fashion by Jack in the second half. But he fucking gave away five of the first six rounds, and he let Stevenson get that one round he needed. In the eleventh, he landed that body shot. He had him hurt. Badu Jack had to backpedal, so kind of survived that round. That one punch from Stevenson, a dead Adonis Stevenson at that point in time, saved him in that fight big time. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think the most meaningful left hand that was thrown in the entire fight was by Donna Stevenson late, and I think it got Badu Jack's attention. I have a real big problem with 
anybody. I mean, I, I'm not just talking about casual fans, diehard fans. I mean, we're talking about the media. There were certain media members that have, have, have clearly and constantly shown their sort of lack of interest, sort of peripheral perspective on the, on the sport of boxing. Oh, LeBron ain't playing tonight. All right. Yep. Boxing's on, you know, kind of <laughs> attitude. And these guys, in some of which are most, you know, some of the most ridiculed names in the sport, thought that this was a potential fight of the year candidate. Look, we've seen many fight of the year candidates since we've been doing this show. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and decades before the tale of the tape and the boxing rant ever existed, right? Right. But every year that we've done this show, we have listed at least four or five potential candidates for fight of the year, right? Yep. And every single time we have been in unanimous agreement that the fight was at least a fight of the year candidate, right? Right. right. It was clear as day, enjoyable in a way that you remember the fights. Right. This was not that. The first half of the fight, it looked like Badu Jack was doing his best Lamont Peterson impression against Danny Garcia. Right. Right? Yeah. Averaging about 14, 15 punches around. Adonis Stevenson looking spry. Oh, you know, look, to Adonis Stevenson's credit, he was doing a little bit of a jab step. You know what I mean? He was doing a little bit of a hesitation. Mm-hmm. He was he was fainting, and he always had the left cocked. Meanwhile, Badu Jack doing nothing. Then the second half of the fight, Adonis Stevenson is so tired, Badu Jack takes advantage of him. But how can you even have this fight in consideration for fight of the year with a guy literally so gassed on his feet and a guy that's a one-trick pony anyway? So it's not like he's got a bunch of fucking tools in his bag, right? Right. Throwing these Awkward punches, looking like me in a fucking, you know, 1998 street fight, <laughs> fucking drunk off a of drinking too much Jaeger and Goldschlager. Right. You know, and Badu Jack taking advantage of it. That's, there's no drama in that. None. None whatsoever. So to even equate this into the category of fight of the year, Mike Coppinger, once again, he never ceases to amaze me, Ben. The guy. Can. Never ceases to amaze me. This guy says, in all the years that Mike Coppinger's been covering boxing since he discovered it by watching a fight in 2005 <laughs> for the first time in 2012, right, says that this is Adonis Stevenson versus Badu Jack from Toronto, Canada, this past Saturday night on Showtime, is the best live fight he's ever seen. That, look, it was, I, I, you know, I, nothing ever ceases to amaze with Mike Coppinger. Like you said, the guy is... I, you know, he continues to step on it. He put his foot in his mouth and just say some of the most ridiculous. It's like, dude, the way they trot you out there, and, and now he's on these shows, these ESPN app shows, it's like, how does this guy get you out? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't, this isn't coming from a, you know, a place of jealousy because Mike Coppinger has a job in boxing, and, and I don't. and I, I know more than him, and I should have a job in boxing, Ken. It just gets to the point where it's like, the guy who's covering the sport, does he really grasp what's going on? Does he have a feel for the fight? Because And, and he, he wasn't the only one. There's a couple other people where I was real surprised. Like, and I get it. It was a good fight. Decent. Okay. Like, the perfect way to describe that was, okay, that fight didn't suck. It wasn't great. It was a, a three. It was, I can wait for it to come out on rental. I don't need to rush to the theater to go see this fucking thing. No. I, you know. 
in a day and age where, especially the, the week before, you had Lenaris Lomachenko, a, a display of skill. Uh, you had the, the, the ebbs and flows of the fight and back and forth rounds, trading rounds, not one half of the fight, one guy took off, the other half of the fight, the other guy could barely hang on. I, you know, good fight. I get it. Let's not, let's not jump the shark here, people. I can think of three or four fights that are extremely better than that fight was off the, off the top of my head. So, I, you know, there's no chance this fight will be a fight of the year candidate at the end of the year. And I really, I would never want to watch it again. That should tell you one thing. I don't need to see that again. So, you know, let's, let's temper this shit a little bit, man. Adonis Stevenson is 40 years old, and he looked every bit of it. I yeah. mean, this yeah. is the first time in his career now, now he has been out matching opponents just by, you know, being able to hand select and dodge his mandatory for the last five years since 2013. And in by doing so, Vin, he has literally made himself look like he had longevity. This was the first time that he has been in the ring with a legitimate fighter in five years. Badu Jack is a guy that you and I have praised on this show out of making fucking le- the best lemonade you've ever had out right. of the most sour lemons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He got he gets knocked out in the first round by Derek Edwards, a fight I I remember vividly. Yeah. And the way that he has resurrected his career has been fantastic. The way he's been strategically placed. He was kind of thrust into the middle of a 168-pound post-Carl Frotch renaissance in the U.K. at a time when the United Kingdom had 14 world champions. Whether they were regular WBA champions or not, Mm -hmm. that's what they were claiming. He goes life and death with James DeGale, okay? Yep. We've seen where James DeGale has has been since he okay he had a competitive fight with Andre Durrell Andre Durrell cares more about boxing than my pinky toe you know what I'm saying yeah Lucian Boutte so far past his prime you know and stop with the Nathan Cleverly stuff okay Nathan Cleverly is Frank Buglioni you know what I mean he's a guy that's been in some big fights against guys that are just as average as he is. You go with Anthony Durrell, who we knew who he was. George Groves was never really the same. I mean, he's come back against a very mediocre 168-pound class to earn himself a championship fight. Been a long rebuild. Right, against an unproven, basically an unproven prospect that's been tucked, batting sixth on Eddie Hearn matchroom cards in Callum Smith. Rogelio Medina knocked out by Derek Edwards. I'm sorry, man. Look, Badu Jack has won these fights against a bunch of above-average fighters. A bunch, pretty much his signature wins are against guys that stole a cheap belt and then got fucking worked afterwards. I mean, that's pretty much the you know the moral of the story with him. Mm-hmm. So to expect anything of you know outside of mediocrity. In his fight against Donna Stevenson, I'm sorry, man. It was a mediocre performance against a guy that was so far gone. I hate to say it, but while watching that fight, I'm thinking to myself, would Sergey Kovalev versus Donna Stevenson have been a good fight four years ago when it should have happened? Yeah. Sure. Right now, as it stands, there's three or four 175-pounders that would have ended the fight within the first six rounds. If that had been Sergey Kovalev with this version of Adonis Stevenson in the ring, two or three rounds, and it's over. 
Badu Jack is a 168-pounder who claims he should have been at 175 pounds the entire time. I'm sorry. If you can't beat the faded, faded, so far faded and delusional and protected Aduckness Chickenson, and you don't have the wherewithal to dig deep enough to try to put together fucking seven or eight rounds because all it would have taken is effort. Yeah. That is somebody that has been hanging out with Floyd Mayweather Way too long. Hey, you don't have to do anything for the first fucking four or five rounds, B. Just fucking size them up. Let him fucking get gas. And then turn on the gas. Except, guess what? Badu Jack doesn't have any fucking tricks in his bag. <laughs> He's a straightforward, yeah. right there in front of you, vanilla fighter. And had Adonis Stevenson not been dead on his feet, he wouldn't have had a fucking stationary target to beat on for the second half of the fight. Now, to me, look, you know, Badu Jack is what he is as a fighter. He, he's... He's very good. He's not great. He's not, you know, will he always be sniffing around a championship belt? Sure, he's good enough to do that. But when it gets down to the best of the best, the elite in boxing, he just, he's a step short. He's missing whatever it is. He's, like you said, his his cookie-cutter style kind of, it just allows him to be able to hang and be able to compete with the best. Is he better than any of them? No. He's right there. He's right there. And, and look, this is no discredit to the man's career. Like 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 we've said, I mean, for God's sakes, for him to do what he's done in his career with the skill set that he has uh, and the style that he has as a fighter is fucking amazing. And if, if there's one fighter that Floyd Mayweather's done a good job with, it's been Badu Jack. He's gotten him big fights. He's He's constantly been in the picture for the last three years more than any Mayweather Promotions fighter. But, you know, how long does this last with him? You know, I, I don't want to see a rematch. Do you want to see a rematch Absolutely here? not, and, Vin. And, and there's certain people calling for it. It's like, we it's don't. It's the same people that are going to be in attendance for Leo Santa Cruz versus Abner Mares too. Yeah, it's just unnecessary, all right? You know, Adonis Stevenson needs to fight a real champion at 175 pounds. You can't claim to be the man and the lineal champion of the division while avoiding every fucking possible, you know, uh, high risk, low reward fight that you can take, you know, and right now, you know, Vosnik is supposedly the mandatory and it's been set by August 19th. Something has to be done. You know, the, the demands have to be met or, or they're going to take action. And Clemus is not ex- accepting step aside money for, for Vosnik. But, you know, I, for some reason, if I'm a Donna Stevenson, I go after that, I go, yep, I'm just going to go ahead and hang these gloves up on the wall because <laughs> whoever I fight next is going to beat me. The guy is he is ready to be fucking shoved. I mean, not pushed fucking just jacked up off the cliff. He's fucking dangling. He's hanging by one finger. Just flip that bitch up and he's fallen. <laughs> you know what was funny is is all the, like the shoulder programming and like the like the lead in material about where these guys have been and where they are now. Then yeah, you know what I noticed about Adonis Stevenson and his? It's like he's outside fucking walking in his parka, and they stopped at fucking Dick's Sporting Goods and picked up the <laughs> brightest red piece of fake Everlast <laughs> gloves. Dude, they had like the strings were connected, like they were souvenir gloves. Uh, it, it had to have been Adonis Stevenson's idea, because uh, I don't think he's very bright. It's the same guy that does fucking sit-up Instagram videos from a fucking McDonald's bathroom. 
I was watching that on Saturday. Like, what the fuck? Why do you got to have gloves on for, dude? I was wondering why those blankets were on the floor in the fucking Times Square fucking <laughs> Manhattan McDonald's. You know what I mean? It was Adonis Stevenson had been there right before us, Vin, <laughs> doing crunches for his Instagram Jesus video. Jesus Christ. I mean, look, good fight, people. I get it. Not that, good fight, Vin. Stop. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Average <laughs> fight. If you get that fight, it's not a fight that's worth complaining about. But don't sit here and tell me it's something special. Because if you tell me that, I'm going to fucking tell you to sit the fuck down. <laughs> Look, there's been a handful of fights this year that have been so far superior. I honestly thought the co-feature fight between JoJo Diaz and Gary Russell was a better fight. Yes, it enter- I would agree. It, it, it dude, uh, it, you know, it entertained me more and. I, I saw a fight with a guy that was equally as sloppy and a guy that got old and tired that is a true fight of the year candidate in Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz already. Lomachenko versus Linares. Dude, there's been at least a half a dozen fights that were way better than this. And to sit there and say that this was the best fight you've ever seen live? Usyk Bredis. Jesus. I mean, come on, dude. There's been so many good fights. Uh, you know, it's it's a fucking joke. Let's... <laughs> We don't have to, you know, overdo every weekend here, people. It's let's let the fight be what it is and fall where it may fa- uh, where it may fall. Let's not over exaggerate the shit, please. No, I don't think you can over exaggerate the fact that Elder Alvarez has been he's made his entire career in step aside fees. Yeah, the guy's made more <clears throat> for one single step aside fee than he has for a meaningful fight in his entire career. And guess who's here to fucking just. Take on the challenge that a Duckness Chickenson once and for all lamenting and further minimizing any fight that he's been in this past weekend included that this guy has paid Elder Alvarez off for so many years. Well, guess what? Sergey Kovalev is going to fight him August 4th in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And I think it sends a fucking shot across the bow because if Adonis Stevenson has one large payday, one large event left in his career, it is a match against Sergey Kovalev. But here's the thing. Sergey Kovalev's not 40 years old. He's six years younger than Adonis Stevenson. And Sergey Kovalev has not yet reached the point of stagnation in age that Adonis Stevenson has. This August 4th fight, the WBO light heavyweight championship on the line, Sergey Kovalev versus Elder Alvarez is going to be a fucking fight. And, and you know what? Kudos to fucking Elder Alvarez in the crusher for putting together a fucking really, really good matchup. And yeah, look, it, it goes to show you even more. I mean, you know, you're talking about the same manager in, in Yvonne Michelle. You're talking about the same players as far as getting a deal done for a fight. And somehow it, it, could, it, could, it could happen for Alvarez. But for all those years, old, old Adonis, he couldn't quite, uh, couldn't quite pull the trigger on that contract and, and get it to the finish line. And, you know, hopefully, I, even though Stevenson is at the edge, clearly, uh, I would still love to see Stevenson Kovalev. Oh, me too. I, and I think it's still a huge fight. You know, it's kind of, it's reached the uh, Amir Khan, Kel Brook status of, you know, it's been around for fucking ever. But that fight is kind of still even. Yeah. I mean, Kovalev would have to be favored 5-1 to one in Look, this fight, man. I, I think we're going to find out a lot about Kovalev and whether he's really, really back in this Alvarez fight. Not saying Alvarez is some great fighter, but he's going to put you to the test. You're talking about a big man, a tough man. Um, you know, if Kovalev can't stop and or, and or drop Alvarez, come the second half of the fight, we'll see where Kovalev's gas tank is at and if he can hang with a big fighter that, that 
doesn't mind banging a little late. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be a, you know, we're, that's going to be a how we figure out exactly where Kovalev's at right now. Because I'm not willing to say he's all the way back, but he's looked damn good. And, and he wins this fight in, you know, knockout fashion or stoppage fashion. It's tough not to say the man's not back. Look, when we arrive into the arena moments before uh, Kovalev versus Alvarez, uh, tickets provided by Jim Boone at KO Tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, you were going to see Sergey Kovalev fucking destroy Elder Alvarez. I'm talking fourth or fifth round knockout. Really? And a statement will be made. Yes. This guy has only been avoided by Adonis Stevenson because Adonis Stevenson is a tiny light heavyweight. He is tiny. He has survived off of one punch, and he's not there anymore. Elder Alvarez is rustier than... Any other 175-pounder outside of Adonis Stevenson and Artur Baturbiev. Right. Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I think one of the uh, – I sent out a tweet asking for questions for the show. Somebody did ask, do you think Stevenson's body work would be a problem for Sergey Kovalev? I didn't – What? He landed a couple body shots. Against an average fighter. Right, but it's not like Adonis Stevenson is a guy who who's, is known as a sustained body attacker. He's a headhunter, and he's a headhunter with one punch. You know, I give him credit for being as good as he is with, you know, quite frankly, he's pretty limited as a fighter. Very. When he starts throwing, you don't see him rip off combinations. He just, his right hand, whenever he throws a right, it's, it's not natural. It doesn't look natural. When he throws a punch, he's got athleticism, quick power. I get all that. But there's not that, that flow, that natural feel when you're, when you're watching him put punches together. And, you know, I, it's like watching Deontay Wilder it, it, to a certain extent. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it almost the same fighter along the lines of, yeah, avoid the one punch and you're going to be in good shape come the end of the fight. Those who don't, they go to sleep. <laughs> Except Wilder's nowhere near the precipice. No, that Adonis finds himself sitting on. No, 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 no. Um, all right, so we look forward to August 4th, uh, HBO, Atlantic City, New Jersey, Sergey Kovalev versus Elder Alvarez, Vin and I will be in attendance for the WBO Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. Also on the card, Dimitri Bivol makes yeah. an appearance. Very nice. Right? Sully B back in effect. Yeah, stack that car with some light heavies, boy. I love it. I love it. Um, all right, let's get to the lead-in fight. It was a split-site doubleheader on May 19th on Showtime. From the MGM National Harbor, it was Gurry Russell Jr. squaring off against Joseph Jojo Diaz Jr. for the WBC featherweight championship gary russell jr giving us the privilege of coming out of retirement (laughs) for one more big fight actually honoring a mandatory and a well-deserved mandatory position earned by joseph diaz jr um vin gary russell jojo diaz first and foremost why didn't you go to the fight uh you know i hemmed and hauled over that motherfucker all day i mean it got to Four or five o'clock, and I'm still like, hey, am I going to go? I'm going to not. Because, look, it boils down to it. I want to support the fights that come to town here. You know, I want them to keep coming here for fights. You know, I already got to see Loma, Usyk, and Vozdik on, on one night. I want to. I want that shit to keep rolling through town. But I just couldn't pull the trigger, not for the price. And I heard prices were a little bit lower day of, and you could have got in. But I also wanted to watch Jack Stevenson live. You know, so I just said, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I, I went to New York two weeks ago. I'm not going to do it this time. And quite frankly, I thought it was a good fight. And had I been there, I would have not been disappointed that I paid for a ticket to go. 
but much like the first fight, was it a little? I, I think it was a little better than than Stevenson, Jack. A little bit, yeah. But not much. No, because you know I'm, I come away from that fight thinking, boy, for the first six rounds, that had potential. That fight had a lot of potential. Some people had it three three. Uh, it was a three three four two fight halfway through, and JoJo Diaz showing very well, going to the body, showing no fear of Gary Russell's hand speed, really, or punching power. But something happened. In the sixth, seventh round, he just stopped. He stopped throwing punches. He just stomped forward in the guard. And I, I just I didn't understand it. And, you know, I caught a little flack for my comments during the fight where, look, I, you know, I, I know he's got his father in the corner, and, th- and that's a good connection, and, and we've seen it before in boxing. Father-son combinations, they go a long way. But sometimes you get to a certain point, in my opinion, where there's got to be a different voice in the corner there's got to be something that that drives a fighter to hey let's pick it up uh, you know you got to you got to crack the whip on your fighter a little bit and i didn't see any of that no sense of urgency in the corner no really good instructions you know and i is is gary russell junior the superior talent in the ring yes he was better footwork you know better jab just on all around he's a little bit better than jojo diaz sure but jojo diaz in the first 6 rounds showed without a doubt that he belonged at that level. He could compete if he would have put it together and just got on that horse through six, seven, eight, and nine where he let the fight slip away from him. He just he got too far behind to make anything happen. You know, I, To me, a, a corner change might not be a bad idea to start thinking about. You know, Every good fighter, Mosley, got away from his father. At, at some point, great fighters realize, all right, look, I've, I've got to find a guy who can get something else out of me. And look, they may stay together. I don't, I don't know, Ken. I'm, I'm not saying that's going to define his career one way or the other, but it's something to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is what, you know, exactly what you said. His father in his corner was not able to go to the whip. And in the most crucial moments when you saw Jojo Diaz kind of falling into his shell and kind of, looking a little befuddled and uh, unable to pull the trigger. And he knew that Gary Russell really couldn't hurt him, so he just stayed in that protective shell. Somebody needed to tell him, okay, son, now is the time. Go to the body. But what I've noticed so much over JoJo Diaz's career, and we've covered him since he was in our top 10 prospect list, you know, four years ago on this show, is that we've always commented on Joseph Diaz Jr.'s sort of lack of power. Mm -hmm. And I think that, he shows great hand speed in the ring. And it was something I thought the announcers did a good job about bringing up about Jojo Diaz in the fight is like, I think it was Paulie Malinaji. He was like, let's not forget. I mean, Jojo Diaz has some good hand speed himself, but I think that's the trade-off. I think that Jojo Diaz makes a deal with the devil. And he says, you know what? For more hand speed, I am going to trade some of my power, mm-hmm. right? And you see him being able to keep up with the elite hand speed guys like Gary Russell Jr. in there. But the problem is when JoJo Diaz connects, he's so worried about getting to the next punch as fast as possible. He never follows through. He finishes on contact and retracts as fast as possible to launch the next punch. He landed more flush body shots, pure, pure flush body shots than any championship slash championship contention fight, top-level fight that I've seen in 2018. He landed more 
pinpoint body shots in this fight against Gary Russell Jr., especially in the first six rounds, than I've seen all year, Vin. Dude, he had, he had Russell hurting. Second, third round, he went to work to the body, and he had Russell feeling it. Gary Russell was not uh, he's not feeling good walking forward. He, he had him backing up at times, and, you know, I just wanted to see it. I had a trainer tell me on Twitter, you know, it's not about changing the corner. It's not about motivation in the corner. They were in the ring against a a more talented fighter. Sure. And, and they weren't going to win this fight no matter what. And to that, I say, okay, were they in the ring with a more talented fighter? Agreed. 100% agree. But to sit there and tell me that at six rounds, you're just going to admit that fact and not attempt to win a fight that you're in at that point in time and just kind of, ah, let's just survive learning experience. No. You want to fucking try to do something, make some adjustment. And he, he, re, he replied with, you can't. There was no adjustment they were going to make that was going to do anything. Well, that's like saying, I'm not going to try. I just, why don't you just give up at that point? We can't win the fight, you right? You superior, Gurry. Yeah, we can't win the fight. So why continue fighting? It doesn't make any sense to me. To me, there, there had to be something said, something done, some type of motivational something from that corner to get JoJo to come forward and, and throw punches. Don't just walk into punches. And Gary Russell was throwing 70. At the start of the fight, he's throwing 90 punches around, but continually throughout the fight, 60, 70. If you're not punching against a guy that's throwing that many punches, whether he's landing clean or not, you stand zero chance. Well, zero. Apparently, that trainer you're talking about believes that. But you know what I remember in time? Now, I'll just use modern boxing history. If Joe Goosen was not in the corner of Diego Corrales, does he win that fight? Mm, maybe not. No. no. I mean, it's one of the most famous cracking of the whips to win a fight. Emmanuel where... Stewart is the best example of that. Dude. A modern example, right? Fucking McCracken when Carl Frotch is getting beat by Jermaine Taylor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There, That is when the value of a cornerman comes into play, that they can help you turn the tide. Not this mystical, magical, fucking silver-tongued bullshit that fucking Virgil Hunter fucking spits. You know what I mean? Oh, man. I'm with you. Let me lift you up. None of that. It's like, this is it. Right. Your life, your career. This is it. This is your first shot. What I heard from Jojo Diaz's corner was his dad being like, well, I mean, we, we did our best. <laughs> because here's the thing. You made a comment about Gary Russell's power. It didn't seem to really affect no. Jojo Diaz at all. Why sit there in a turtle shell and allow this guy to throw a million fucking pitter-pat jabs? Because that's what he was doing. Yeah. Swing your hands. If you're going to get caught in an exchange with this guy, use your leverage. But instead, he looked more like Arthur Abraham being completely content with trying to win the last 45 seconds of each round. Yeah. I don't. Maybe he was more tired than we know. I, you know, I don't know. He didn't appear to be. He didn't throw enough punches to be tired. He, uh, he ate some body shots from Gary Russell Jr. I don't know. Maybe that got to him. I, I, to me, it just seemed like he shelled up, and he just needed something to push him, and it just wasn't fucking there, man. That jab aggravated the fuck out of him, Then Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. It was annoying. It's easy It's easy to sit here and say that when you're dealing with a guy like Gary Russell who's, you know, he's he's just got superior skills and is – his hand speed is ridiculous. There's no doubt about it. But to me, they were in that fight, and they had a chance to be to be more competitive 
than they were. Did they show they could be competitive at that level? Yes, but something needs to change in order for that to, you know, if you're ever going to win a belt, it's going to take a little bit more. It's going to take that little extra in those final six rounds to go after it. Sometimes you just got to dig in, and it just seemed to me that they didn't. Well, I mean, that's where Jojo Diaz stands right now. You know, people, you know, that watch this fight, I think that they felt that Jojo Diaz acquitted themselves. And a lot of people just kind of wrote him off from the, you know, from the beginning. Right. Thinking that Gurry was just going to roll up in here and just fucking murk him. And that was going to be the end of it. Legendary hand speed. I think you saw that Gary Russell needs to be more active. I think he needs to yeah. fight more. And whether or not that happens, I think Jojo Diaz is at a point in his career where he can take valuable experience out of this. And Gary Russell doesn't seem to be too interested in boxing anyways. Well, you, when so you get 1.4 mil to fight, yeah, I mean, I cannot believe he got that. Well, then you don't have to fight twice a year. I think JoJo Diaz has a bright future, and I think he doesn't have to worry about the likes of Gary Russell Jr. Because even though Gary Russell Jr. taught him a lesson in this fight, he's not going to be around to see part two, uh, you know, chapter two, the progression the adult sort of fighting career that Jojo right. Diaz has. But I'm telling you right now, he needs to start sitting down on his punches because that little fucking pop, 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 pop style. Dude, there's enough guys at 126 that can crack a little bit. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to run into guys that'll, that will be willing to walk through that to land their shots. And if they know they're going to shell you up when they land shots, well, you're, you're not going to do very well against the best in the world. Have you lost any interest at all in the wake of Gary Russell's clear win. I had it 8-4. I think, what did you say? You had it 9-3? 9-3, yeah. Okay. In the wake of a decisive victory by Gary Russell Jr., does this diminish your outlook or your anticipation for a possible one, two, three fights with Oscar Valdez? I think those two should fight each other three fights in a row starting now. Yeah, let's just set a contract where... 2019, 2020, 2021, we get one JoJo Diaz Oscar Valdez fight. Because to me, they're 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 the same fighter almost. They they're both fucking super uber talented. But when they're going to run into the likes of the Gary Russells of the world, they're going to struggle. Those two together, Valdez and Diaz, would give us the fight of the year. At, at some point, I see them fighting, and we're we walk away from that fight going, that is a fight of the year candidate right there. I agree, and I think right now as it stands, there's three clear dominant featherweights in the world, guys that I think are just a cut above. Yeah. Gary Russell Jr., Carl Frampton, and Leo Santa Cruz, and right? I'd, I'd probably rank them about in that order. San, uh, Frampton, Santa Cruz, you could clearly swap. Sure. Oscar Valdez, even though he had a really tough fight with a 155-pound version of Scott Quigg, it looked like Liam Smith <laughs> stepped in for him in that fight, right? Right. Um, Oscar Valdez still hasn't had that fight where we're like, okay, you know, he didn't have that Jojo Diaz versus Gary Russell fight. So let's give Oscar Valdez the benefit of the doubt against the rest of these guys at 126 pounds. But until he proves himself, until Oscar Valdez beats a Carl Frampton, beats a Gary Russell Jr., you know what I mean? Yeah. Or is able to beat a Leo Santa Cruz. I think right there you got your top guys. And I'm telling you right now, then, if Gary Russell, yeah, fingers crossed, fight a second time this year, bud. Oh. Fight a second time this year. He said he, got, he said he hurt his hand again in this fight, and he's got to protect. He's like, yeah, yeah, I like to fight twice a year, but I keep, you know, I got to protect my hand, so probably not going to happen until next year. Give me Gary Russell Jr. versus the winner of Leo Santa Cruz and Abner Mares. Yeah. Because I don't give a fuck about Leo Santa Cruz and Abner Mares part two, but I am intrigued at Leo Santa Cruz because that guy, 
has proven me wrong time and time again. Yeah, and he's going to be a fighter that is not going to stop. So, you know, to me, that's the fight I want to see at 126 right now. You could, you could throw that in with, with Frampton Valdez, which seems like, you know, all the chatter that it's a possibility of happening. I don't know if Valdez takes a fight, uh, you know, kind of an easy one after having his jaw broken, just tries, kind of tries to get back in the mix before he goes for a big dog. But Valdez did say this past week, you know, there was there was rumblings of, of him possibly moving up to 130. He stated this week that he wants to stay at 126 and he wants to unify before he moves up. And I think clearly that's got to be, in his case, a Frampton fight where the kid can make a lot of money, more than he's making right now. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. I mean, top rank, Frank Warren. Yeah. They do business. Yeah. I'll tell you who's doing business. It's uh, it's ESPN and boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first phase was the deal with top rank, right? Yep. They rolled the platform out, put their biggest names on the platform from Manny Pacquiao to Vasily Lomachenko, Oscar Valdez, big names galore, Terrence Crawford. Um, and we didn't know at what level the commitment was outside of, okay, we're going to televise some top rank cards. Well, now it has carried over into the modern age. Right. And the announcement of the association with the ESPN Plus app, which only costs you $4.99 a month, now it's starting to pan out that you're going to get a little bit more than just the six or seven names that you know yeah. and the prospects that are, have been signed the top rank with the announcement that this weekend on Friday morning here in the United States on the ESPN Plus app for the WBA Bantamweight Championship of the World, Jamie McDonald defends his belt against the monster as he makes his debut at 118 pounds, Niowa, in a way. Then... Right after this show's over, I think I'm signing me up for the ESPN Plus app. I see. I'm going to count you with many of the flip-floppers that I've seen since they announced that. Just give me what I want, Vin. Well, you know, you're telling me I get Gojira? (laughs) Gojira. Gojira? Gojira come to ESPN? Yes. Uh, You know, somewhere somebody was smart enough to know that every diehard knobhead for this fucking sport like yourself yes like thank myself you. thank you i raised my hand as as one of the people said look i'm not paying five dollars and you know what ken i still don't know if i'm paying five dollars you paying five dollars five dollars that ain't shit i make more money doing nothing <laughs> doing what he worked for his uncle <laughs> man your daddy worse than the boogeyman himself <laughs> That cracks me up that you you know that movie like verbatim, dude. I know every word to Boys in the Hood. (laughs) It is a classic. Ah, but you racist, Ken. Yeah. Well, (laughs) look, my cultural influence in life comes from Boys in the Hood. Yeah. All of us back in the day. You know what I mean? Doughboy. Yeah. Trey. He worked at the Fox Hill Mall. (laughs) Tell if you let me talk, shoo. (laughs) Oh, but they did get us, Ken. Yes. Uh, You know. I'm still not ready to pull the trigger. I'm holding on. I'm fucking playing the violins as the ship's going down here. As uh, saying, I'm tired of paying for shit. But it, it appears that this is the route we're headed with this fucking Dazen deal, Dazone deal, whatever the fuck you want to call it with Eddie Hearn. And he was recently on uh, the three knockdown rule with, with with Lopez and Kim. Yeah, check it out. So you know, if this is the route we're going, that's fine. If you're telling me. There's no more HBO, which clearly they've they've stated where they stand in the boxing game. Uh, they're they're not interested right now. The story is yet to be written by Pete DePoto. Yeah, they're they're gonna rise from the ashes with Triple G Canelo too, huh? <laughs> is that what's gonna happen, Pete? A hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, the, uh, 
They'll cash. What's fucked up is they'll cash the biggest check out of any other network because of that fight this year. So you know, whatever. Fuck HBO. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 about ready to drop my subscription to them, uh, anyways. But you know, I, I I still you're giving me Gojira. I get it. And and somebody is smart enough to realize that these are the type. This is the type of shit that gets us. And you know, we can't say no because you can't miss this fight. You don't want to be fucking staring at your Twitter line. Hearing that Gojira landed a left to the body in the third round, and Jamie McDonald crumbled to the mat, and that's it in his first fight at 118 pounds. You know this guy is—he's the way he started in boxing is parallels very similar to what Lomachenko's been able to do, and you might even be able to say a little bit better. This guy's going for his third weight, uh, his third belt in a different weight class in his 13th, 14th fight. You know that's that's epic shit there that doesn't happen very often in boxing no and it looked better i don't know i mean different yeah but devastating in a dominant way it, yeah it's, a, it's you a, know what i mean it's a more destructive style sure whereas lomachenko's is a more you know it's kind of a ballet of boxing this is the monster brings it and he brings it hard we'll see at 118 pounds i mean this has happened rather quickly well you've seen a picture of him and jamie mcdonald standing next to each other yeah i mean you're talking about jamie mcdonald's 510 yeah 510 he's a big boy and he is a consummate fucking professional tough as fucking nails this is a a serious test i think he comes out you know with fly, passes the test with flying colors but this is a real fight this don't don't get it twisted the difference in this fight for me, though, Vin, is going to be the body. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, honestly and truthfully, I think that a guy that stands five foot ten, right, against a man that stands five foot five, leverage plays a huge role in this, and in a way, is going to dig those hooks to the body. And 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 to me, that's what the difference is. I do think it ends in dramatic fashion. He's going to pay a price to get close enough. You talk about a six inch reach advantage, a five inch height. I mean, this is. This is going to look similar to Lomachenko-Rigo in the ring as far as a size difference. I think it's going to look like Rigo versus fucking Amagasa. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. except Amagasa ain't dropping Rigo twice in this one. No. I don't see that happening. Um, either way, man, this is an intriguing enough fight. This is enough to get the people that will become the foundation of this subscription as long as they continue to pump the boxing into it. If they're going to give us an off-the-wall sort of boxing geek's delight, in Iowa, in a way, versus Jamie McDonald on a Friday morning. I'll pay for the first month. I still withhold the option to cancel right. my subscription after that. But guess what happens right after that? You get Terrence Crawford. So. Yeah, and Jeff Horn. So then it's like, okay, well, okay, maybe two months, and then they'll run something back after that. We'll see. 30 for 30 for me is enough to watch it. And if I can cancel my fucking outrageous ripoff, cable subscription with Xfinity yeah. and drop that $230 a month, oh. reduce that down oh. to $80 a month to just the high-speed internet that we need to do this show, then, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'll go to Apple TV where I can get that HBO Go or HBO Now, whatever the fuck app it is. doesn't play boxing live. doesn't even refresh it in the first fucking week since a fight happens. But when the big shows like Game of Thrones, the, re the only reason that I'm going to be subscribing to uh, HBO in the near future, that comes on live. That's part of Apple TV. That fucking sinks in with every device that I have in the house, right? Right. And ESPN Plus is part of that. So 
what do I need Xfinity for so I can watch Shark Tank on CNN and NBC? <laughs> right. You hey. know, I've already seen every episode five times. Hey, but them eight-hour marathons, boy, they'll suck you in real quick. Yes, they will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, dude, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still... I'm still holding my ground. You're ordering that shit Friday morning. I'm not going to order it, Ken. Yes, you are. I, we'll see. Maybe. I'm going to text I'm you for here. an hour before the fight and be like, Vin, I'm ordering it. You're excited. Yeah, I'm going to want to go. You know, I'm going to be at work uh, on a construction site, <laughs> and I'm going to just want to run out to my truck and, and put on, and watch it on my phone for 45 minutes. Either that or you'll plunge from the top level of the construction I site. Mean, the, <laughs> the bottom line is this. You know, I sit here, and, and, and yes, I'm complaining about this as a boxing fan that spent a lot of money on this sport over uh, an extended period of time, thousands upon thousands of dollars that I've donated, okay? But I also sit here and have direct TV, and I pay for the NFL package. I pay for Major League Baseball. I paid for the NHL center ice after the All-Star break. You know, much of that being because I'm a gambling man, and if there's a, if there's a game I bet on, I want to be able to watch that bitch. So, yeah, I'm paying, you know, $600 extra a year on my bill just for everything. So why sit here and complain about boxing and $5? Well, because I can, God damn it. Because <laughs> you don't have any money left after all those subscriptions. I don't know, man. Cap's been winning me some money here lately. Now you're pinching. Yeah, but the Arizona Diamondbacks, though. So. Oh, they cost me four large. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, <laughs> look, man, uh, I have enough subscriptions that I'm willing to cancel right now. Right. Pretty sure that I still need to cancel my cloud TV uh, subscription, and I think that a wealth of entertainment subscription. Yeah, considering now all these little fringe uh, international fights are probably going to be on the zone. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, man. When it all adds up, would I rather pay thirty or forty dollars a year in subscriptions for all my boxing than paying fifteen dollars for Showtime and fifteen dollars for HBO? not getting dick from HBO subscription. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't add up. So maybe if you pile it in together that way, all of it together makes sense. Until it actually gets functioning and everybody is sort of operating on this new state-of-the-art platform. You know, we saw Selby versus Warrington. Right. Uh, Warrington, big ups to him for fucking exploiting uh, the Welsh Mayweather. Yeah. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But look, that fight you were able to watch on the Showtime YouTube channel. Yes. That's the wave of things. But until everybody gets established in these new arenas, we don't really know what we're paying for yet. We really don't. No. I mean, Eddie Hearn's the biggest fucking question mark of it all. Well, Ken, he just signed Gabe Rosado to a five-fight deal. BKB Part 2. Looking to sign Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. He's going to fight at 171, Ken. Oh, he's an opponent for Frank Buglioni. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you could ran, you could run that man over to the UK and put him in every small fucking town. You put him in Leeds. You put him in fucking wherever. He'll he will draw no matter what, just based on that name, and will be in good fights against domestic level fighters in the UK, and it would fucking sell. I I guarantee it would. Cool. Maybe he's a future opponent for Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Or t- Tony Bellew at cruiserweight. Where is Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, Ken. Where is he? Fucking knee-deep in a bowl of Fruit Loops? Probably. Jesus. Um, Half-smoked blunt Fruit Loops? I guess you got to sign the opponents before you can get them matchups, right? Yeah. I just <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to announce my first signings as those two. Like, hey, we're, we're in the game now. September is coming very quickly. It is. So they're going to have to have something on the table. 
maybe it's Danny Jacobs versus Gabe Versado. Yes. <laughs> That's the way to kick it off, then. Hey, yippee, Ken. Exciting times. Um, but there's a lot of changes going on in the sport right now. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Adonis Stevenson versus Badu Jack, then please, please. Yeah, calm down, people. Do not run it back. No, no. Not much going on next week in the boxing world. But the tail of the tape always has something to talk about, don't we? We'll squeeze one out like we did tonight, Ken. <laughs> Pinch it out real quick. Don't even need to use a fucking piece of toilet paper. Don't smell it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. This is the 205th episode. Subscribe on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. Drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today and follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. We'll be back to talk about Vince's experience purchasing the ESPN Plus app. Ain't happening, Jack. Ain't happening. You've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.